where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this, you get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair. Welcome to the Courageous Recovery Broadcast. I'm your host, Randy Mortensen. This is a weekly 20-minute program where we provide answers for your I don't know how. Whether you're dealing with recovery issues, emotions from a loss, or maybe life has just thrown you one more curveball than you were expecting, I'm so glad you're here today. And today, it's just a real privilege for me to have on with me Jim Nixon, my new friend from, from the UK. And Jim just has a wealth of experience and, and just a passion that I, I know you're going to hear that as we go through some of the questions and, and the dus- discussion. It's always great to have people joining this broadcast, literally from coast to coast here in North America and, and then around the world. We're at 21 or 22 countries, I believe. Thank you for taking time from your busy schedules to connect. You should see an opportunity for you to subscribe or leave comments, please do that. Do the subscribe today on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And please leave any comments that that I can can respond to. For more information, my personal website is randymortensen.com. That's Randy, last name Mortensen, M-O-R-T-E-N-S-E-N.com. Later in the show, I will talk about more uh, on the 21-point assessment that you will find at my personal website. And that assessment's a tool to determine whether you or a loved one qualifies for one of my programs that's called the Lifestyle Champion Cohort. So as I mentioned earlier, it's just a real privilege for me to have my new friend Jim on the line with me. And I have one more button to click, and then we should be good to go, Mr. Jim. Hi, how are you? You know, it's just, as we were both sharing earlier, it's just kind of a busy time in both of our lives, isn't it? It's a very, very busy time in the UK for me at the moment. Um, But yeah, yeah, you know, you've got to embrace it and you've got to love it. And uh, like you just said, I'm very passionate about what I do in the UK. So, uh, you know, it's... uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting and uh, I, I'm making the most of COVID at the moment. You know, I think you've got to embrace it. You've got to embrace what's going on in the world at the moment and make the most of it and, and still seize opportunities. For sure. For sure. So here, as anyone who's listened to my program in the past, they know my usual first question is this, what is there that you know today that you wish your 22 year old self would have known? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. Um, I think there's a couple of things for me, to be honest with you, Randy, and I think the main one for me was uh, I, uh, I lost my, my father quite young. Um, when I say young, I was kind of 23, 24. Um, but I think what experience teaches you that although I started to have a much better relationship with my father prior to his death in 1993, I think as a 51-year-old man now, um what it's kind of taught me is that i wish i had of um 
you know, spent more time with him and, you know, that we'd had had a better relationship um, through my sort of teenage years and, and, and sort of into my early 20s. Um, and that, that that's a big regret, you know, uh, and and it can cause a lot of tension when there's tension between you and your, you and your father, you know, it is quite hard. Um, but, you know, we did start to get a much better relationship before he passed away in 93, um, but I think that is the one key one for me. And, you know, the father-son relationship is always very, very important. And it can be very, very, um, you know, can be tense at times. You know, I, I know I have the same sort of, at times I have the same sort of, my son's 28 now and, and we have a, a, you know, can level up in a day in relationship from time to time. Um, but I think that's the main one. And I think then the other one that I would say to you would be that, um when I was um, when I was a police officer, I spent twenty years as a police officer in in the UK. Um, policing can be very, as you know, very intense. It can be very hard work, um, long hours. And I think I I got married quite young. I got married at twenty two. Um, we had a, a family quite early on, so I was twenty three. Um, joined the police at twenty six. And I think one of the things that I would do differently now as a 51-year-old is that if I was starting out on that police career again, that I would have probably been around a bit more for um, my kids when, you know, when they were growing up. Um, sometimes it's not intentional. It's just the way that policing works in the UK is that you can go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. You can then be um, you know, called to that last-minute job um, and then you're then left with, you know, someone in custody, a prisoner, uh, and you're there to deal with it, you know. So you could literally be there till, you know, I've been, I've done shifts, you know, 23, 24-hour shifts, you know. That, that I'm not saying that was the norm, but that could be something that you'd experience, you know, on a fairly regular basis. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, those are the, probably the two, the two things in answer to your question that I would say would be my you know, the things I would do different now as a, as a 51 year old man. Right. No, those, those, those are great words of wisdom. It's the, yeah. the, when, when my dad died at a young age, I'll, I'll never forget. One of my friends said a, a boy really doesn't become a man until he loses his father. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd, I and, would definitely agree with that. And, um, and, and even now, you know, as a, and my dad, I mean, there was a big age gap between me and my dad, you know, because, um, we, uh, we, I was actually adopted, so um, my parents obviously um, couldn't have children, um, or they thought they couldn't have children, and that's an interesting story that I could come <laughs> on to at some point. But um, I was adopted, and my dad was getting. There was quite a big age gap between my mom and dad, so um, there was a there was a eleven year age gap. So my dad actually adopted me when when he was forty years of age. Um, so there was a, there was quite a big you know a big gap in terms of, you know, like where my son and me, there's only like 23 years between us. So that make I think that does make a difference. Sure. Um, you know, and, and, uh, as I say, although we have a bit of an up and down sort of relationship sometimes, you know, um, we've still got a good bond, you know, and we still do things together and we're very keen on, you know, football or soccer, as you call it in this, in yeah. the U S yeah. so, yeah. you know, you have those common, those common commonalities, you know, common ground, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it is a big regret, but you can't change it. But as I say, nope. even as a 51 year old male, you know, you still miss, you still miss that, that person in your life. Right. Right. So, so let's transition into your career. Okay. How, 
I, 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 this, this is, this is not a term that, that I've, I was familiar with until you and I talked the other day. Yeah. So you're an ASB, which, and, and you're, you're passionate about community safety and, and so on, but yeah. that's antisocial behavior. Yes, right. I mean obviously the yeah the English the English translation would be antisocial behaviour, but anti, and that's absolutely fine. <laughs> it's just um, so I think the best. I was thinking about this earlier, and I was because I knew you'd ask me this question, and I was thinking about how are we getting it across, particularly to a US audience, how how what I deal with day to day. So um, it's mainly dealing with nuisance, um, nuisance neighbours. So, for example, you know, you live next door to somebody, they're bang, they're making lots of noise or they're being threatening towards you. Um, you know, we would pick that up and we would deal with it and we would use, we've got certain kind of tools and powers that we can use um, to tackle those issues. And then also what I deal with is like, you know, public space kind of nuisance. So, for example, you've got a group of young people that are out and about, you know, causing problems in the neighbourhood. Um, you know, it would be my job and my team's job to kind of track those individuals down, work very closely with the police. Um, again, look at, we are very much about looking at early intervention and, you know, trying to get those young people back on track. Uh, and doing all we can, but ultimately there's sometimes when you have to go down the enforcement route and you have to take them, you know, through the court system um, because you've got to protect communities, you know, and that's what I'm about really. I'm right. all about rehabilitation. I'm all about helping people, but ultimately, you know, you've got to balance that with if you've got 10 people in that community that are suffering because of one, you know, the balance kind of tips towards the community because that one person is causing so many issues. Um, right. That's that in a nutshell, that's kind of what I do. And then, in a broader sense, um, what I'm about really is about community safety, which again is there's a whole, you know, as you know, a whole broad range of kind of individual subjects within community safety. Uh, but ultimately, it's about, you know, making communities better. And I spent a large part of my life really trying to improve communities and trying to get communities, you know, back on track and, and try and transform them as best as I can, um, and, which isn't easy, how- but it's good. Well, here here would be my question, I guess, is in in your in your experience, the last nine months or the last ten months, are you are you seeing an increase in in the disruption in people's lives? Are you seeing increases in suicides or domestic assaults or or drug and alcohol abuse? Are you seeing increases in in any of those areas? I think you're seeing an increase across the whole board, really, Randy. I mean, if you think, if you just take domestic abuse for an example, you know, you've got normally, say, you know, there's people in domestic abuse situations. Um, what what sometimes reduces the exposure to that is, you know, two people working, going out different hours of the, you know, working in offices, and then you can imagine, you know, all of a sudden you've got you've got you know spouses that are. Um, under the same roof or you know effectively on lockdown um that that is a very tense situation and one of the things that we've been kind of very kind of um pushing in the uk is you know the help and support that is available to victims both male and female around domestic abuse because it is definitely it has definitely increased during um the the covid period um and 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 the antisocial behaviour sort of situation in the UK has increased massively as well. I mean, I know some colleagues in certain parts of the country where it's increased. If you look at it and, and, and map it year on year from 2019 to now, some areas have seen a 300% increase. 
Really? 300 I would say in my area, um, which is um, in the north of England, um, I would say we've probably seen about a 40%, 40%, 50% increase. But wow. I, I'm speaking to people that, you know, just don't know which way to turn um, because of the amount the amount of work. And, and, of course, the teams haven't increased. And in some cases, the teams have decreased because people have been in isolation. So it's been very, very difficult to do a job remotely when normally the, the job is very hands-on. Right. And then, and then I guess I should have done more research before we chatted here, but what, it, what's going on with the school system? I mean, in, in the States you have some schools are open, others, the parents are responsible for doing some education in their home, which adds to the stress. Is it similar in the UK? It's, it's getting more, um, children now are going, young people are going more back to school now. Okay. It's, it's, it's quite sort of full on now, but Again, for the majority of the year, you know, once lockdown sort of kicked in in the UK, most of the children, as you know, were at home. Again, that causes added stress. Right. Added pressures for families. And again, we've seen an increase in neighbour disputes um, because, you know, families are next door to each other for long, long periods of time. You know, the music goes on because they're bored and they've got nothing to do. The drinking starts and you know it causes tensions right. so you know my job and my team's job is to go in and diffuse that as quickly as we can get it back on track uh okay. get people to be a little bit more understanding of each other um you know the big key to what we do really particularly around neighbor disputes is you know getting quickly and get it sorted as quickly as you can uh, before it escalates and gets out of hand really right right okay well let's let me take a quick break here to let let our audience know that I do offer a program, it's an eight-week program called the Lifestyle Champion Cohort, where I use Zoom technology to do 90-minute weekly meetings with anywhere from eight to 12 participants, and there are three phases of that eight-week program. The first is evaluate, so that's the assessment that is on the front page of, of my website, really is the first step of evaluation to determine whether you or a loved one has a, a, a moderate... A, a mild, a moderate, or a severe case of substance use disorder. So that's the first phase is an evaluation. The second is many people as they're seeking recovery are looking to be equipped. They, they don't have the tools to stay sober, or stay clean. And then the third phase is, is to enjoy. If you're interested in more information, just text CHAMPION to 66866. That's CHAMPION to 66866. And our team will be sure to get you more information. And, and that's the first step of qualification. The other thing I like to mention, if you're a regular podcast listener, there's actually uh, a code when you sign up for the program that will save you 35% of a discount. When you mention LCC, that's Lima, Charlie, Charlie, when enrolling. So again, that, that website is randymortenson.com. And Jim, you're preparing to launch a, a podcast of your own sometime around the first of the year. What's, nice. what's the name of that podcast? Okay, so I'm launching the Community Safety Podcast um, in um, early January uh, 2021. Um, I have got an absolutely fantastic um, number of guests lined up. And the, the, obviously, you know, the, 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 the sort of the, the, the theme is going to be community safety. So we're going to be covering lots of different subjects from, you know, crime, antisocial behavior, on a base violence, um, child exploitation. 
so we've got some really really you know uh, well-known guests um from a uk point of view but i think that there is going to be an interest across hopefully across the world because community safety and particularly community safety issues within the uk are quite interesting to a number of people um and it's going to be absolutely fantastic so you know um i would urge anybody to try and give that a listen and i will be obviously putting it out uh, and marketing it as much as possible prior to launch in january and your website will be what, what yeah the, the web URL? the website will be www.thecommunitysafetypodcast.co.uk Okay. Um, so that that's and that will be launched hopefully by this weekend. So it's not currently live, but it will be live. Okay. And, uh, more than happy to hear from people. Okay. Awesome. So here's here's a question that just came to my mind because I I I, I get a number of calls that are about domestic abuse. You know where where it's not always the husband, but it's often the husband that's that, that's abusive towards a spouse or children. So if, if, if you were to give some guidance to that wife whose husband is just acting inappropriately, she's, there's times she feels she's in danger even, what are the one or two things that you would say to that wife to make sure that she's keeping herself safe and or her children? Yeah, I think it, it is a very, very difficult subject. And I think the biggest, the biggest kind of um, issue is making that first step, taking that first step to ask for help. Um, you know, ultimately that individual needs to stay as safe as possible. But what what I would say to that to that person is is that you know if I'm looking at it from a a, a UK perspective, but I'm I'm pretty sure around the world there are similar organisations. Is there is a lot of help out there, um, and there is a lot of support, and it can be done very confidentially. It can be done in a very sensitive way. But ultimately, that individual has got to make that move and make that sort of that choice. Um, and and I think once they make that choice, then there are lots and lots of options for them. Um, it isn't a diff- it is so difficult, you know. I think sometimes there's you know financial implications because they stay in that relationship because if they're out on their own, they'll lose some income. Um, but ultimately that perpetrator without the appropriate help unfortunately is probably not going to change their behavior and if anything it will probably increase so i think the biggest piece of advice i would be giving to that individual is reach out in a confidential manner there's lots and lots of help out there on websites and you know the police in particular as well are so much better now in the uk of dealing with antisocial behavior than they were when I first became a police officer where you would attend a domestic abuse incident and it would be kind of like, well, you know, it's happened in the home. It's nothing really to do with us. It's a private matter. And then we drive away and leave that victim in a very, very difficult position. That does not happen now. You know, a very, very positive action is taken. But ultimately, in my experience, that individual, whether it's male or whether it's female, has got to make the decision for themselves. And what I found in my experience that... You can't really make them do it. They've got to do it for themselves. I think it's a bit like addiction, really, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you've got to do it for yourself. You can't do it for anyone else. Yeah, and it, and it's fear that's holding them back. And it's most fear often, that's holding right? them back. Yeah. yeah. It's, a very, it's a very very deep subject, and um, one of the things that I'm looking at at the moment is is um, I'm not sure the terminology is very uh, popular in America, but it's called adverse childhood experiences. 
And right. what we're seeing now is that children that are subjected to either being involved in the crossfire of domestic abuse or their abuse during the domestic abuse, what we're finding now is a lot of these individuals will go on to offend because of what they've witnessed. So, for example, if you witness a father or a mother for that reason, uh, for that matter, that's abusive, you know, that 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 behaviour becomes learned and, and yeah. those individuals then go on to be to be yep. offenders themselves, you know, and this is why I'm very, very keen and passionate about, you know, tackling, you know, these kind of issues early doors, if you can, and getting into young people very, very early on really, and trying to help them and support them so that they don't become offenders. And they're, they're just then in the, in the, just in the criminal justice system. And I've, I've even seen, seen research to, to echo what you just said. I've yeah. even seen research that says that those behaviors that we observe before up until we're age six, or maybe it's up until we're age seven, will will direct your future behavior, Absolutely. whether it's substance use disorder <laughs> or whether it's physical violence or or whatever. Yeah. There's those those mindsets or those influencers, whatever the right psychological term yeah. would be. That's right. That's that those those first five, six, seven years of your life are critical as yeah. far as how what your future is going to look like. And I think um, this is why we want to start identifying young people at that kind of age range, you know, because I'll be honest with you, Randy, you know, when you start getting kids to kind of 10, 11 and beyond, you know, a lot has happened in those years and it's very def- difficult then to reverse some of the damage. So I, I'm now very much an advocate of, getting in as early as you can and there's not really an awful lot of programs in the uk around that at the moment but i think it's something again this is something i'm hoping will come out on the podcast is that you know we can start to look at these kind of issues and you know galvanize the uh, the community safety community to start being more aware because this is something that everybody's got to play a part in you know it isn't just a certain set of professionals everybody's got to play a part in this um, right. to try and you know help um, these young people to develop to the people that they realistically want to be. Yeah, really, it really requires a community engagement. It's not one or two people. It's not, you know, certain individuals in those communities. It's, it's community wide, right? Yeah, As you're absolutely. saying, it's, it's professionals, you know, every, every, it's teachers. Exactly. Yeah. It's teachers, it's nursery teachers. Yeah. You know, or kindergartners, you guys probably would call it, you know, there is so many people that could, you know, act upon, um, you know, these instincts that something is not right. You know, one thing I would always say is if you are one of those professionals and you have a gut instinct that something isn't right, please always do the right thing and don't ever be afraid. No one will ever criticize you if you get it wrong. But believe you me, the criticism will be, will be levied at you if you do nothing right. and then something serious happens. Right. So my advice is always take positive action no one will ever criticize you for it. Right. No, those are good words. And it's hard to believe we're already out of time. So let me do a quick wrap up here and and just remind our listeners that, that the pandemic has made things worse instead of better when it comes to issues related to overdose deaths. We've we've already seen overdose overdose deaths triple since 1990. Right now in the States, we're seeing more than 130 overdose deaths per day, and it's costing us $800 billion or more here in, in the U.S. economy. So if you know someone that's struggling today, like Jim said earlier, if you know someone who's struggling today, or maybe you're that person 
who's battling a compulsive and destructive behavior, please don't wait another day. Don't wait another day to seek help. Reach out to me. My office number is 321-757-HOPE. That's 321-757-HOPE. Or call someone that you know and you trust because the people that are dying today are husbands, wives, sons, and daughters of someone who loves them. Today's the day. If you're interested in more information, as I mentioned earlier, text CHAMPION to 66866. I hope you found this information helpful today. Look for the replay to be available in the usual podcast online outlets like Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and and others, as well as on Phoenix Radio that is a global radio station. I want to, Jim, is there anything you want to say in in closing? I just want to thank you for the opportunity to uh, come on to this show tonight. I think it's a really important subject that we've discussed or, or, or some of the issues that we've discussed um you know and uh you know look out for the podcast when it comes out in january as well um more than happy to uh take you on as a listener um and and just thanks 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 for uh for listening to me tonight you know i've really really enjoyed it thank you awesome awesome well to 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 those of you who are listening have a blessed day and be extraordinary today the oregon college savings plan can help you support your kid's future career as a teacher airplane driver? Um, no, their career as a hairstyle designer. As a dinosaur doctor? Oh, their future job as a windmill builder. No, an ice cream taster. You know what? We just don't know what they want to be yet. But while they figure it out and dream big, we're here to help you save for what comes next, whatever that may be. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com. Where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this, you get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair 